to direct your attention, if you'd stand with me for the reading of the word. Amen. To the book of John, chapter 4, and begin with verse number 5. This is found in the New Testament, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 4, and verse 5. Stand with me. Amen. Let's uh, read it, read a few verses of Scripture, then we'll uh, pray and be seated. Amen. Uh, John, chapter 4, and verse 5. And while you're turning there, amen, it's, uh, wonderful to have with us all of our guests and visitors for the first time and returning guests and visitors. Amen. We're thankful that you're with us. Amen. We're, we appreciate it. Let's put our hands together and welcome all the guests and visitors. Can we do that? Come on. Let's give that. A Bunt Life Center. Put your hands together. Let's welcome you. Amen. We're thankful. Amen. That you're here. We're thankful especially that God is here. Amen. Uh, John chapter 4 and verse number 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Amen. We may accuse one another of not having manners, but Jesus just cut to the chase. (laughs) Probably said, woman, give me to drink. If I did that, I might get a a slight backhand across the face and a little hand imprint. But this is the words. Verse 8 says, For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of of him, and he would have given thee living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? This is the woman uh, talking. Art thou greater? Uh, I, I skip verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And for a few moments this morning, I want to preach about this topic, the living water, the living water. Could you set your Bibles aside and help me pray this morning that God would talk to us from his word today. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to hear the proclaimed, preached word of God. We thank you for the presence of the Lord that's in this place. God, we don't approach this portion of the service lightly, God. 
God, we are approaching it carefully, God, with, with consideration, God, for the word that you want to speak to us today. I pray, Lord, you would help each and every one of us to receive the engrafted word of God to our lives. And God, may the word that falls upon the, the ground of our heart, may it find good soil in our life, Lord. That it would take root in our lives and eventually would begin to bear forth fruit, Lord, as the word of God that's preached is mixed with faith in our lives. God, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise and worship today, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Before you're seated, why don't you put your hands together and clap unto the Lord. Amen. Lift up your voices, lift your hands, and worship Him for a few moments here today. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We exalt you, Lord. You are worthy of all the praise and all the worship. Worthy of honor and glory today, Lord. You can be seated. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3 uh, is a prelude in many ways to John chapter number 4. Because it's in Isaiah chapter 12, that Old Testament prophet, that the words are issued. They're uttered. Uh, Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of of salvation those are that was a, a fulfillment of prophecy what happened in John chapter 4 amen Isaiah began to tell foretell about what would happen amen many many centuries later uh, from the time that he spoke those words and then Jesus himself would show up onto the scene and begin to reference back to Isaiah the prophet and begin to say that well of living water that well of salvation that you're going to be able to draw waters from I've got that well I've got that water in my possession uh, but it's going to be poured out eventually uh, and there there's a uh, there's references throughout Scripture to water, amen, that is uh, the refreshing water, amen, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. There, there's so many Scriptures that we could talk about in, the, in this today that would tell us, amen, about that water, that living water that Jesus talked about in John chapter 4 and even until the book of Acts when we see the pouring out uh, of the Spirit of God. Uh, but Jesus... Uh, here we, here we find Jesus taking a slight detour. Uh, his disciples went off and Jesus went uh, into Samaria and he began to find, he found a woman at the well. And Jesus, after dealing with the Pharisees and how they wanted to debate everything away and discredit his authority, determined he would find somebody who was truly thirsty and ready for a change. It is the, uh, the desire of God, it is the mindset of God that he wants to find somebody that's hungry, somebody that's thirsty, somebody that wants what he's got. And so Jesus goes throughout the, the Spirit of 
God searches the whole earth, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro seeking, amen, somebody that he can, amen, pour out blessings upon, that he can reveal himself to, that he can uh, fellowship with. And God found, as God began to sort of survey the landscape, and he, and he began to look, and he saw in the, in the city called Samaria, there was a woman, a Samaritan woman that was at the well. And the Bible says it was the sixth hour of the day. It was high noon, as, as one person said. It was at uh, that peak time of the day with the temperatures uh, at, at the most uh, extreme temperature. And so the, you find uh, a Samaritan woman at the well uh, at that particular time of day because she did not want to go there any other time of the day because... If she went in the morning hours when it was cool, or if she went in the evening hours when it was cool, amen, there would be a lot of other people that would recognize her and say, hey, I know about you. You, you, you've had a lot of men in your life, and you've been married a lot of times, and they begin to, they would know your sin, they would know all the things about your past and your situation, they would call you out upon it. So this Samaritan woman, in her, in her wisdom, said, I'll go to that well because I need water. But I'll go there at 12 noon when nobody else is foolish enough to go out there. But I'll be there. Because I don't have to deal with the, the people that would condemn me. The people that know about my past. And this isn't it like how many of us are. We, we, we want to kind of fly under the radar sometimes. But God wants to shine his light upon our lives. Not to put us on blast. God wants to shine his light upon us. Amen. Not so you can be condemned. But so that you can recognize I need you Lord. God, I'm trying to do this all by myself. But, but alas, I've come, God, to find I need you, Lord. You're the only one that can satisfy the longing in my soul. Yes. And Jesus knew, amen, that that Samaritan woman would be there at 12 noon at the well, at Jacob's well in Samaria. He knew that woman would be there at a certain hour. Can I tell you today that God knows exactly where you and I are in this time today. God knows exactly, amen, where you were at 3 p.m. yesterday and where you'll be tomorrow at 5 p.m. and the following day at 6 a.m. and whatever hour of the day, God knows exactly where you are. And God knows where to find you. God knows exactly your number. Amen. I remember hearing a story years ago. Uh, my Uncle Emmanuel, so glad you're here. You remember probably seeing my dad's library and all those old books. He's got lots of old books. And there was one book he had. It was called God's Got Your Number. That was the title of the book. And in that, I remember reading that book as a, as a boy going through all of my dad's books and trying to you know, get wisdom and, and learn about the stuff he learns about. And there was a particular gentleman in that book that told a story about how uh, he felt impressed to go to a certain phone booth back when phone booths were around. God spoke to him to go to a phone booth and out of nowhere that phone rang from somebody on the other end of the line that God spoke to them miraculously with that number for that, that, that telephone booth. And that person that called the telephone booth began to witness to that man on the other end of the line. And I remember, I never forgot that story. It revealed to me that God knows exactly where you're at at all times. And he knows how to get a hold of you. God knows the number to reach you at. God knows exactly where you and I are at this moment today. God knows your name. God knows your past. And God knows your future. And he holds your present. And in fact, in spite of all those things, he still loves you this morning. He still loves his people today. 
But he knew where that woman would be at that certain moment. And he knew exactly when to step into her life. And every time that God begins to step into a person's life, it is, a, it is a cataclysmic reaction that happens. Amen. It is divine intersection that hits you. Amen. You're on the chronological path of life. On that chronological path. And God out of nowhere just intersects. And at an altar is divine intersection where God begins to move into a person's life. And it's sometimes it appears that you, you see people kind of shocked. Wow, God knows what's going on in my life. And in an altar or in a church service, people begin to cry. And I've seen it as preaching. And then the word people begin to cry. He's, he's preaching to me. He knows what I'm going through. He knows prayers I prayed yesterday. Because it's not me. It's not the preacher. It's God that speaks. And he knows exactly where you are today. God knows exactly where you are today. He's in charge of everything. But this story that we find in John chapter 4. Jacob's well in Samaria is what is known in our current day as the city of Nablus in the West Bank. Where it does get to 100 degrees in the summertime. So it was a very hot time. To give you a little bit of background on the Samaritans. They were considered by the Jews to be heathens. They were considered to be uh, mixed breeds. They weren't the purebred Jew people. Jewish people. But they were, they were, they were uh, altered with. And they, they were disrespected for that. They were not a pure breed if you will. They came from an intermarrying with the Gentiles after the Assyrian takeover. And so the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans and they said, well, you compromised. Uh, you, you, you messed up with the Assyrians. Look at you and look at your faults. Look at the, all the things that you messed up with. You, you don't have any place talking to us. We're not going to associate with the, the Samaritans. And so that was a stigma. It was a religious barrier. It was uh, a, a racial divide, if you will. It was... Uh, an, an economic class warfare going on. Uh, she was viewed as poor. She was viewed as uh, the outcast of society. And, and society didn't want to deal with her. Amen. But can I tell you that God can deal with your special circumstances today on this Sunday afternoon. God can deal. Amen. God can handle. Amen. Your problems. God can deal with the issues in your life. Jesus as he requested water from the Samaritan woman, crossed many boundaries all at one moment in that time. He crossed boundaries. He, he bridged the great divide that was there between Jews and Samaritans, men and women, uh, the poor and the, and, the, and the rich. And all of these different things began to come into play at this time. Those boundaries that Jesus crossed to reach a Samaritan woman. They were nationality boundaries. They were cultural boundaries. They were religious boundaries. There was gender boundaries. And there was traditional boundaries. There was economic boundaries. There was all of these things that oftentimes we look at our lives and say, you know what? I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this. I don't have a pedigree. I don't have. I don't come from a wealthy family. I don't come from this. I don't have uh, education. I don't have this. I, you, we disqualify ourselves. But God can reach beyond all of those things and those limit, limiting factors in your life. God can reach through all of the limitations in your life. Amen. And God will cross whatever boundaries he's got to cross. 
Amen. In order to reach a person, God will cross any boundary to reach you today and to reach me today. No matter what religion a person has grown up under, no matter your gender, amen, no matter your nationality, no matter your economic status today, amen, no matter the background from which you have in this place today, amen, here it was, an adulterous woman with a bad reputation. An adulterous woman with a bad reputation. And a man talked to the woman. A Jew talked to a Samaritan. The God of heaven talked to a sinner. He crossed all sorts of boundaries. And God, even in this place today, is is attempting to cross the boundaries and the limitations that we put up against him and said, okay, God, I'm not, uh, I'm not Pentecostal. God, I, I, don't, uh, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what this church requires. And I don't have all these things, God. And, and I'm a minority. And I'm handicapped. And, and I got all these issues. And, and I got a broken home. And, and I come from dysfunction. And, I got, and we, we make up all these things in our mind. And God's saying, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's okay. I can deal with that. I can, I can overcome that boundary. I can cross that boundary. I can bridge that divide. I can work with that. I can work with that. And we throw God all these different curveballs. And God says, hey, I got that. Hey, I got that. Hey, no problem. Hey, I'll take care of that. Just lay it down. Lay it down. Just, just give it to me. And we're thinking, man, he really loves me. God really loves me. Yes, he does. He wants to reach you today. The interesting thing from John chapter 4, contrasting with John chapter 3, the very, pre, the very, uh, next, the very uh, previous chapter. In John chapter 3, you read about a man by the name of Nicodemus. The Bible says he was a ruler of the Jews and he came to Jesus by night. And in John chapter 4, we have a Samaritan woman that is, that's talking to Jesus. We have somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum. And God is, if you will, contrasting, amen, the, the reach that he has as the God of heaven. In the previous chapter, it was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and a well-to-do gentleman in the, with, the, with the religious and social and economic status, and had all of the credentials, all the things going for him. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was, he was a leader. He was wealthy. He, he had respect. And he had fame. He had a reputation. That's why he went to him at nighttime. Because I don't want people to know that here I am needing Jesus. I have something in my life. But what a stark contrast. John chapter 3 versus John chapter 4. A man versus a woman. They both can come to him. A conversation at midday versus a conversation at nighttime. That takes place. Between Nicodemus and the the Samaritan woman contrasting the two. A rich man versus a poor woman. A religious person versus a non-religious person. Amen. That that non-religious Samaritan woman that didn't want to have anything to do with God. That would would, uh, uh, try to delegitimize his authority and power. And then you had the rule of the Jews that began to acknowledge him and who he was. Amen. Two different sides of the spectrum. One was a respected person and one was a, a, a despised person. One was a Jew and the other one was a, an alien to the promises of God. But Jesus shows us from John 3 and John 4 that Jesus came for all people. He came for that person that has the last dime in their pocket and that's all they got to their name. And he came for the person with the, uh, a million dollars in the bank. Yeah. 
He came for those, amen, that were religious and those that were non-religious. He came for those, amen, of every nationality, every flesh color, every economic status, every background. He came to reach. He came to seek. He came to save that which was lost. As long as there is a hunger and a thirst in the heart of the people, God's looking, amen, to meet that need today. And the God, amen, that showed up in Samaria at midday is the same God that showed up at nighttime, amen, to Nicodemus. Amen, it's the same God that's here at 12.30 on a Sunday afternoon. God hasn't changed. He still loves this people. He's still reaching for somebody that will reach out to Him and say, God, I need you. God, I love you. I hear you calling me, Lord. I hear your voice, God. I hear you calling my name. I love you, Lord. No matter what your background is, God loves you. In spite of your attitude, God still loves you. In spite of the attitude that the Samaritan woman showed Jesus, He still loved her in spite of her attitude. He did not wince behind her thrust, nor awkwardly apologize or seek to explain himself, but gravely and earnestly and with dignity he uttered perplexing but thought-provoking words. If thou knewest the gift of God, amen, he did not mock her, he did not ridicule her, he did not talk down to her, but he began to say, there's a little bit more you didn't know about, ma'am. There's a little bit more you didn't know about before you got here. Amen, if thou knewest the gift of God. You would have asked of me and I would have given you living waters. Living waters. Living waters. This woman, up to this point, was laying trivial matters. Keep her from the gift of God. She was letting things keep her from the gift of God. She held, she hid behind her that, that racial divide. She hid behind that economic divide. She hid behind her sin. She hid behind and she was so far back that God had to break up everything like God will do. He'll get right down to where you are and say, I know what you're dealing with. I know what's going on in your life. Hey, I know what's happening. I know the struggle. I I know all the things. And I'm willing to go to where you are to see the hand of God work in your life. Amen. We unconsciously determine our future and we bind ourselves with chains. Amen. We sang about that earlier. We bind ourselves with chains which we can never break. Amen. By the way in which we deal with apparent trifles in life and and different issues in life, we we begin to bind ourselves and and we restrict our our potential because we hide behind. You know what? I made a mistake 15 years ago and God can never forgive me. I messed up. I'm on my first marriage, my second, my third, my fourth, my fifth. And and the one I'm with now is not my wife. And and that 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 was her testimony. That was her story. She hid behind all the things. And oh God, my past is a mess, God. How how can you reach into my life, God? God, I I didn't grow up Christian. But God, how can you reach into my life? God, I'm a Samaritan, God. I've got a lot of things stacked against me. I I got the deck stacked against me, God. And God says, no matter all that, I'll cross any divide to reach where you are. Perhaps this woman... 
This Samaritan woman looked at Jesus like she did all the other men in her life. Maybe that was her initial response. He's just like all the other men that they promised me everything and they delivered nothing. I'm sure there's there's women here that can testify to men telling, I love you, baby. You're not you're, you're like any you're unlike any other. I'm with you. First, next one comes up. See you later. And they promised the future. They promised the world. And they, they failed to deliver the goods. And this woman no doubt heard, yeah, you're giving me those pro- I've heard that before. Yeah, I haven't been, I've been around the block a few times. I, I know about that stuff. Yeah, you're, you're just like that, that first one that came along and told me the same thing. And he, he bounced when, when trouble showed up. Here he goes. This was probably her thought. Here he goes making big promises, offering to give me the world, but never coming through. But I just want to be loved. I just want to know a true love. Amen. A love that doesn't run dry. Amen. A life-giving supply. Amen. That never runs dry. And I've I've tried it all in these relationships. And here I am again at the well. And I'm reminded of my past. And I'm reminded of all of my inadequacies. And yet God is reaching for me. And I don't want it, God. I can't take your love because I'm hung up on my mistakes. I'm hung up on my past. I'm hung up on all my failures. God, it's not possible that you can love me. And God said, no, I do love you. No, I know about you. Yeah, I know about your mistakes. Yeah, I know about your failings. I know about all that, but I still love you. I still want you to be blessed. I still want you to be my daughter, and I want you to be my son. She spoke of her patriarchal father, Jacob, in such a way to delegitimize Jesus. Many people have tried to delegitimize Jesus, but as Jesus does, he just keeps pressing. She said, well, this is our father Jacob's well. In other words, who are you? Well, this is, this is my father Jacob's well. Look at that little, he knows up in the air. This is, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, this is, you're not, you're not territory. This is my father Jacob's well. And he said, if you knew who I was, if you knew who I was, Stop trying to delegitimize Jesus and just say, God, if you've got something for me, God, just let me have it, God. I, I, I just want to experience what you have for me. I'm not going to try and downplay what I feel. I'm not going to try and downplay the word that's been preached. I'm just going to say, God, as the Virgin Mary said, be it unto me according to thy will. Just be it unto me according to thy will, God. Whatever you say, God, that's fine with me, God. Uh, the Virgin Mary, she, she was a virgin, never knew a man, but the Holy Ghost said, you're, you're a child. You're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. She didn't say, well, she, hold on a second. Let, let me explain how this works. I know you're an angel and everything, but here on the earth, no, she said, just be unto me. That's fine. Whatever you say, I, I'm going to trust in the word of the Lord. And she tried to delegitimize him, but he just kept pressing. I'm so thankful that God just kept reaching. God just kept saying, that's okay. I hear you. That's okay. I got that. I got that too. Yep, I got that. No problem. I I got this. But God this. But God that. Oh God, what about? No, I I, I love you. Jesus uh, had the conversation with her and she began to bring up things. She talked about her stumbling block with Jesus. 
The fact that her people, the Samaritans, they worshipped differently. They worshipped on Mount Gerizim and the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. And she brought up her stumbling block. I I could never do that because, you see, we worship this way. You see, Jesus, we worship on Mount Gerizim. You guys worship in Jerusalem. Uh, We just just see things a lot different. We're, We're just very, very different, Jesus. She brought up that stumbling block. Can I tell you today, you can bring your issues to him. You can bring your stumbling blocks to him. You can say, God, this is so different, God, from what I've grown up as a Samaritan. This church is crazy. They're loud. The preacher spits all over the place. They dance. They jump. They're they're sweat hot. Uh, They they show up here for two hours. This church is crazy. We we worship different. We worship in garrison. We're we're quiet. We don't say a peep. and, And we worship differently. And God said, that's all right. Just hang out a little bit. God said, I understand you, you. You've seen it different all your life. They, they do it different on Mount Gerizim than they do here in Jerusalem. But he just kept pressing. And it's okay to bring all your issues and lay them at his feet and say, okay, God. Here's, here's something that I, it's on my heart, God. And the important thing is you bring it to him and say, God, here it is. Here it is, God. I, I'm having a problem with this. That's, give it to me. As long as you're giving it to him, he's taking it from you. I'll take that. I'll take that hurt. I'll take that pain. I'll take that confusion. Just give it. I'll take it. Oh, let, me, let me carry that. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me carry that love. Yeah. If the young man has found a girlfriend one day, or the young woman find a boyfriend, and things get serious, and that gentleman seeking to impress you, says, let me take your bags. Oh, that's so sweet. What a gentleman, right? Let me, let me carry your bags. Or the gentleman say, let, let, me, let me take that for you. They're, they're trying to do something that be the honorable person. Right. Jesus is honorable. Yeah. He says, you know what? Let me have that. Yeah. And you come down to an altar and God says, you know what? I know you've, you've dealt with a lot of stuff in life and you've got some hurts and some disappointments and some pains and some sorrows. Let me have that. Really, God? Yeah, I'll take that. I know all the dirty secrets of your past, but I still love you. Yeah. Just give them to me. Yeah. I'll take that off your shoulders. You ain't got to bear that no more. You ain't got to wear that that heavy burden. Just give it to him. Jesus told the Samaritan woman that the place to worship is not only a geographical location, but by an encounter with life-giving power. And that was in spirit and in truth. He began to to expound upon how to worship. It's not just a geographical location. She made a big deal about Mount Gerizim versus Jerusalem. But Jesus said the location is important. But it's not just location. It's also how you worship in spirit and in truth. The spirit of God has got to be present in your worship. There's got to be truth in your worship. And the water that he began to tell her about, the water which he means uh, to give, cannot be given before a thirst or the living water is awakened. So all this conversation began to happen as God began to stir up that hunger. God began to say, I know you got a hunger. I know you got a need. Uh, but let me, let me just, let's just talk about this a little bit. Let me, let's just work. Let's just get you to open up your heart. Let's, let me just get you to talk about the issues in your heart. And that woman began to talk to God. And the thing that we got to realize is, you know what? You don't have to have it all figured out when you get here. But if you can realize, if I can just get to God's presence, and I can just begin to talk to God, amen, there's going to be some burdens that are lifted in my life. There's going to be some answers that come to my problems. 
But God wants to awaken a hunger. He wants to awaken a thirst. And in order to awaken her thirst, he turns her back upon the shameful wretchedness of her life. That she may forget the water of Jacob's well in thirst for relief from shame and misery. He says, I want you to stop looking at Jacob's well as your answer. I want you to stop looking at this, these, these little things you've figured out in life to get you through your problems. I want you to stop looking at Jacob's well as the answer and the fix all to your problems coming at midday. That's not how you fix the problems. Stop looking at the, the, the little things that you figured out. I, I figured out how to cope with my with my misery. I figured out how to cope with my sickness. I figured out how to cope with my with my bad relationships. I figured out how to get by. And God saying, stop relying on all of those little things you figured out and start looking to me because I can give you the real answer. Amen. Some of us are satisfied with duct tape. Amen. Uh, we're satisfied with duct tape and that little uh, the zip tie. We hold everything together by. by duct tape and zip ties and God says let me fix that the right way give me your duct tape and your zip ties let me fix it the right way and we're just patched together so we can get through life and God says I got a better way let me fix this entire situation here he didn't tell her you know maybe you should come at 1.35 p.m. He said, no, you're looking at this a whole wrong way. Let me shift the entire way you view your problem. And let me allow, let me get you to see it a different way. And requiring her to face the facts of her guilty life and encouraging her uh, to bring clear before him all her sinful entanglement, he responds to her request and he gives her, amen, living water. And before we can begin to drink the living water, we must truly develop a thirst for it. And there's got to be some acknowledging because before he gave her that water he had to get her to acknowledge I have had four husbands the one I'm with now is not my husband I'm a mess that's repentance that's coming before God saying God yeah okay God you got me you got me right where you want me God I don't have it together God and our lip begins to quiver and the tears begin our eyes begin to fill with tears and say okay God you found me God I don't have the answers. Here I am. And God says, now give that to me. And that woman, amen, had to have that repentant heart saying, God, I'm going to let go of my past. Repentance is a letting go of the past and saying, God, I'm done with the, the way I did things in the past. I want you to help me as I move forward through life. I want you to help me as I move into the blessings and the promises of God. I've got to repent. Nothing is more disheartening than the restlessness one sees in some people. How they can find nothing in themselves but are ever going from place to place. From entertainment to entertainment. From friend to friend. From one Jacob's well to another Jacob's well. From one time of the day to another time of the day. And they're seeking something to give them rest and finding nothing. But they seek it without and not within. Because Jesus was referencing something that happens on the inside. She was focused on the outward Jacob's well. That that outward thing that if I can if I can fix the uh, if I can get the, the fake veneers, if I can get uh, the beautiful complexion, if I can uh, add on attachments, if I can uh, trim nip and tuck, and I can do all these things so I can be perfect on the outside. And God said, You're doing that all wrong, honey. You need to take care of the nip and 
tough on the inside of the heart and say, God, cut some things away from my life. God, beautify my heart. Beautify my soul. God, work on the inside of me, God. Address the issues in my heart today, God. I need the hand of God on the inside of my life. That woman had to put down her pitcher that she drew water with, put down her own methods, and grab a hold of God's unchanging hand. She had to stop trying to do things her own way, and she had to allow God to direct her paths. And I'm closing with this, if you'd stand with me. Amen. Jesus asked, or he, he told her, give me to drink. The one thing that she had was water. In her picture. He didn't ask her for money. He knew she didn't have it. He didn't ask her for her marriage certificate. He knew she threw that away a long time ago. He didn't ask her for uh, a brand new chariot. She didn't have enough money to get one. He didn't ask her for the things she didn't have. But what he asked her for was that thing that she had. He said, give me to drink. Give me to drink. God never asked something of us that we cannot give him readily. God never asked you to give him more than what you have. God says, give me to drink. Give me that that thing that you've got. And if you're here today and you say, well, I don't have a lot, that's fine. Give him your heart. Give him your future. Give him your soul. Put your family into his hands. God I give myself to you. I, I, you're only asking God what I have today, God. I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to put in the offering plate. I don't have uh, material possessions. Uh, but what I have, God, I give to you. I say, God, here it is. It's yours today. God, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. I'm going to say yes, God, to what you have for me. The living water is not a stagnant pond or well, but leaps up from a hidden spring. The the woman keeps referring to the well, but Jesus to the spring in the well. The focus was off. She saw that well. That's all. She saw that, that, that little thing she figured out in life how to get by. And God says, focus on something different. Focus on the God that can give you that well that springs up. Into life everlasting. When the Samaritan woman left her water pot. And began to testify of her encounter with Jesus. It shows us that attempts to estimate who God can or cannot use is always a mistake. People may have looked at the Samaritan woman. And they may have said God can never touch her. God can work in her life. She's a failure. She's born wrong. She, she's from a poor economic class. She's, she's a woman. She's a, she's a Samaritan. And they could, they could go down the line and just despise her and ridicule her and mock her. And they could just everything. But we've got to be careful. We don't attempt to estimate who God can and cannot use. But simply put in God's hands. God hears my life. God, here is, here is me, Lord. Here, here, here am I, God. 
What God, you know all of my passion, all of my mistakes. You know, you know everything about me, God. And all I'm asking, God, is just, God, take me, Lord. Take me as I am, God. Take me with my problems. Take me with my hurts, my disappointments, my troubles. Take me as I am. Whether you're a Nicodemus, amen, today, a ruler, someone of high esteem with wealth and respect, amen, or whether you're a Samaritan woman, amen, that's got nothing to your name, and everybody knows your past, everybody knows your shame, or whether you're just someone simply from the city that the Samaritan woman brought back. You say, I'm not, I'm not way up here, but I'm not way down here, I'm just right here in the city. The Samaritan woman found those in the city. And from John John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, you find, amen, a a wide-encompassing church that that God, amen, launched out upon to reach those at the top or the upper echelons of society and those at the bottom rungs of society and everybody else in between. And God says, everybody has the access to come before my throne. Everybody's got access to reach me. God wants to meet with somebody today. I'm going to tell you today, this gospel is for the whole world. This gospel is for the whole world. This is for everybody in this place. This gospel is for everybody in this place. I would like for us to just close our eyes and lift up a hand today as we close. I want us to talk to him for right now for a few moments. I need some saints to help lift up their voice and help me pray right now. Come on, God's talking to somebody's heart in this place today. Right where you are, would you just lift up a hand and say, Okay, God. Okay, God, you found me at the well. Come on, I need somebody to lift up their voice and reach out to Him right now.